What's up, everybody, and welcome into episode 33 of the We Like the Pain podcast, a show about two still-in-the-gutter teams in terms of their happiness of their fans, uh, and those would be the Houston Texans and Jacksonville Jaguars. I am one of your hosts, Oscar Barkas. And I am your other host, Sam McFadden. Sam, I'm just going to just go ahead and hop into our quick questions. Uh, we can we can start the show. We can we can talk everything out. But my question is pressing, and it is scale of one to ten. How drunk are you right now? Uh, scale of one to ten, just like a three, just like a three, I, I, four, three or four. I I, I, uh, I went to the arboretum tonight with my family. Had a couple of drinks. Um, I, uh, I think I, I believe I'm four beers deep, so I'm probably three or four right now. How about you, Oscar? Uh, so when I texted Sam, so backstory on the podcast, we missed out last week. Uh, I was taking my last CPA exam. Sam had some work stuff. It just didn't work out. And then this week I am in Orlando training for my job and, uh, this was the first night we're here and they took us all out to dinner and there was an open bar. So when I texted Sam originally to do the podcast, I was probably like a six since then I've showered and made the show doc and I'm doing a little, I'm doing better than that. I'll tell you what, Oscar, listen to this. Oh, baby. Going for six. We'll see it. We're going for six. So we'll see where I get better. Um, and I'll come back at you with a quick question. Okay, unveil it. Okay, let's hear it. Oscar Barkas started uh, working for a living here this week. So how's it feel to not be a freeloader anymore? Start working for it. Uh, man. <laughs> uh, I th- Sydney might join later, and her answer to the question would be phenomenal to, to have someone that can um, – pay for himself. But my answer is I do not get paid until October 30th. So (laughs) So, working on it. Yeah. We're the, the answer will develop over the course of the month. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, those were act for once in our lives. We actually did a quick question to start this this show. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't do any like, prelude to the questions we just went straight into it so we might actually get under an hour this this episode uh, dare to dream, dare to dream. <laughs> okay uh let's let's keep rolling let's let's keep the speed up right now uh as nfl teams say nascar nascar when they're trying to when they're trying to go into the two minute drill um baseball playoffs i know that you have some differing opinions when it comes to baseball, but they have started. And I figured that it was important to mention that because the Astros just walked off the Seattle Mariners in game one of their series. So we are now up one to zero. Yeah, that's all great. Well and good. I respect all the playoffs. I can't, I can't, you know, dog on, on baseball too much at this point in the year because we're in the playoffs and the playoffs are the only thing that I've ever watched. I, I I won't be watching at all. I don't really care. But, you know, I can say with a certainty that I'm absolutely going against the Strauss. That's what I do know. 
Yeah, when they uh, matched us up with the Mariners, I kind of – I mean, they didn't match us up. That's just how things fell out. I uh, was a little worried that they would be the underdog because they've been the, the feel-good story all year. They'd be the underdog, beat us in – I think the series are five games now. See, I, I don't care about baseball that much either. Uh, but to win game one, to come back and win game one – Feels nice for for all that that matters. More importantly, I I just don't know. I listen. Okay. Outside perspective, Mariners just broke the longest non playoff streak in in active non playoff streak in in sports. I don't know how you can root against the Seattle Mariners right now. I mean, I can't even root against them, and my supposed baseball team is playing them right now. So that tells you how much I. Uh, I mean, I've, we, we have pretty similar opinions on, on the sport. More importantly, basketball is back. The Spurs are playing our final preseason basketball game tonight. And uh, yep. I think games start next week. So I believe the 18th, that one is, week from today. That is pretty nuts. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I, I'm I'm gonna have access to League Pass for the first time ever, so I'll probably watch more ba- basketball than uh, than ever before. And I yeah, I too. Yeah, I also, um, there you go. I also think I'm going to. Um, you know, I don't I don't sports gamble a lot these days. I try not to. I I don't need to certainly, but I'm going to do something to get myself to kind of push myself to be more into basketball this year. I think it's kind of a fun idea. I'm going to pick 10 teams in the NBA and I'm going to bet one unit on their over and over under either over or under their projected win total. And those are 10 teams to watch this season Um, with a caveat that it can't, one of those teams cannot be the San Antonio Spurs. I've got enough, uh, I've got enough skin in that game already. Emotionally speaking, so that'll that'll yeah. I think that'll get me in, and uh, you know, a unit is whatever it means to anyone uh, to anyone who's using it. I'm not going to explain what I what one unit is to me, but um, that puts enough you know pressure on. It'll make me want to watch games at least, which I which I want to happen. Good, that's a that's a really good idea. I mean, I I've explained on the podcast I am now writing about basketball semi-professionally so i'm gonna be watching anyway um and i just love watching league pass like you can just scroll and click on any game that's close um except for your own game right the one in your market the one in your market is not available which is confusing uh super lame very lame but speaking to you betting on over-unders and not selecting the Spurs, I would have no idea what to bet on the Spurs over under. It's I think 22 and a half and talent wise, I'd probably say under, but Greg Poffage is still coaching the team. And I don't know if he's going to, I mean, there's a good chance that he's just like, all right, we're, we're going to beat this thunder team. We're, we're only down two with a minute left. Let's go out and win. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I mean, we've seen pop tank before. I mean, yeah. I don't think anyone could pretend that the Spurs didn't tank to get Tim Duncan. Okay. It happened. No, he is not above not. tanking. 
Um, this kid that's coming out of France right now is very tank worthy. So is Scoot, honestly. So I, I yeah, think I think I would put our talent up with anyone as worst team in the league right now. And sure. I, I For you know, sure. twenty two and a half is absurdly low, and I think the statistics will tell you that probably out of the majority of teams that have been uh, put up that like at that low of win totals, they usually go over. But you know, I'm not betting on them to win 23 games, which it's a stay away anyway. It's a stay away anyway. Yeah, I I would absolutely put the Spurs as a stay away. Um, Zach Lowe, I think, on one of his pods recently said, "I would not be surprised for the Spurs to come around to like 30 wins and just completely screw up the tank." Um, See, I just don't think that'll happen. I think we could. I don't think we would, though. Uh, speaking to that, Jackson said, any team that's tanking for Wemby and gets over 10 w- wins has failed. <laughs> if any team loses 72 games or more, that is intentional. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, you have to try not to win 10 games. Absurd. Uh, and Mitch's comment about... Wemby was I hate the French, so glad glad to sum that Thank all you. up. Thank you, Schmiefierf. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and Wyatt's addition was Oscar. You're in Le- Orlando. You got to bet the Magic over, and they are a team that I think I would bet the over on. I think they're not that far off from the Spurs total, and the Magic have quite a bit more exciting. I think they're at I think they're at like twenty eight and a half or something like that. I'm taking the over on that. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna be looking at it a lot this week while I'm at work and all that stuff. Um, so I will. Um, I might. I maybe I'll update you guys next week on on the ten teams that I'm watching this season. You guys just give us like just give us like three. Yeah, I might. I might. I might bring a couple that I like, but we'll see. Um, we can get it. We can okay. go and move into NFL though. Uh, no, no, no. Before last second, we oh, yeah. talked about we we have Spurs outlook on the drive, and we have obviously talked about the Spurs plenty on this podcast. But we're playing our our final preseason game right now. Currently, zero three in the preseason. Not that that matters at all. Uh, up fifteen on the Jazz. And Sam, would you like to hear who our starting lineup tonight was? Please, I think I it's pretty it. exciting. Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan, Jakob Pertl. Wow. I believe wow. I believe that Greg Popovich has announced the Spurs starting lineup for the season. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I mean, it'd be pretty it'd be pretty nuts to have Sohan in there already as a starter, just from what the Spurs usually do with with these guys. But we haven't seen him tank in twenty. 20- some 25 years. So, um, you know what? We drafted that guy super high. Might as well play him. So I, I would be, I would be ecstatic if that was the starting. I agree. Yeah. And, and pop made a comment, uh, two days ago after our, our third preseason game talking about Doug McDermott's role and how he thinks he's better suited coming off the bench as like a spark plug, like, minute offense type of guy and he thinks that's where Doug is the happiest. And that made me think that this could be possible. And tonight we have now I don't know if we've officially 
it's official that Jeremy Sohan will be our power forward, but definitely a lot more excited about that possibility than I was even yesterday. One other thought on the uh, Spurs real quick is about Josh Primo. And one thing that does worry me about this year, which is obviously going to be about maximizing the young guys, um, is I think we're going to see a lot of point primo because we really, besides Trey Jones, like how many, how much point guard depth do we have on the team? None. Um, so we're going to see a lot of primo Zero. at the point. And I'm not sure like the end game for primo is like a primary ball handler. I, I would agree with so that. I'm just like, I, I don't know. I don't know if he should be forced into that role because I don't think that will be his role if he like reaches his potential with us. So I do kind of wish we had another point guard so that he didn't have to put did so he didn't get kind of funneled into that position. But we'll see, uh we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, maybe he surprises me. Yeah, he uh his passing numbers have just not been great to this point in his career. His like self-creation is insane. And maybe that's just what they want to see more of. Right. Um, and maybe it, maybe when he's on the court and we don't have an actual point guard out there, it's a little less like positional basketball. It's a little more positionless, where everyone's just everyone handles the ball. It's all just you know everyone out there is a guard and a forward. No one's really the point guard. That you know, it sounds weird to say no point guard on the court, but I really don't want to see Primo have to be the point guard whenever he's on the court. You know what I mean? Yeah. I agree. Um, but like we've said, I don't, I don't know how many games this team's going to win. So um, I maybe seeing something that isn't working is actually better for the Spurs in the long run. Right. Right. Anyway, five minutes ago, you said, let's move into football. So let's actually move into football. Sam, you want to read the first line for me? Oh, I would love to. I don't know why you want me to read it, but I'll go ahead and do it. Um, our team draft, I've fallen behind just a smidge. Oscar's in front of me, 43-36. Um, it was a tough week for my boys. Um, they really did not do well. I'm this close to cutting half of them. Um, I think we're going to bounce back next week, though. And I'm, I'm fairly certain Oscar's cheated in some way, shape, or form. So, I uh, you know, I, there's an ongoing investigation into that. I'll get back to you guys next week on what we find. But Oscar, Oscar might be, Oscar might be off the podcast next week as as repercussions for that for that cheating. Yeah, there are talks of a one year suspension, so we'll see. We'll see how everything falls out. Right. Um, yeah, I I killed you this last week. I don't know if you're yeah, whatever, whatever. You got lucky, kid. Do it for multiple weeks. We'll see what we'll see how the season ends. Let's move on. We will. Let's move on. We More excited. Yeah, first coach fired. <laughs> Matt Rule. Man, I. You know, Matt Rule is one of the guys we talked about because we, we had the discussion before the season started of first coach fired, and he was definitely one of the coaches listed because he's been horrible, and the Panthers have been horrible. But the offense got worse this year, which, which I don't think – well, first of all, no one expected, but I don't think anyone could have seen it coming. And 
the fact that the that every weapon on that that field besides Christian McCaffrey, who, who who's only good because he gets every single touch, the fact that their offense is so bad with the weapons that they have on that offense is atrocious. Yeah, yeah. I so I'll I'll put myself on blast here. I thought that Matt Rule was going to be a good NFL coach when when the Panthers made that I hire. I was like, they made a good one. Um, it turns out that he's just better in college. And I think that whatever team hires him, it's going to be Nebraska or Arizona state or doesn't matter where he ends up. Whoever hires him is going to be happy because he's going to turn their program around. But for the most part, with the exception of like Jimmy Johnson and Pete Carroll and maybe that's the end of the list. Guys transitioning from college to the NFL almost never work out. Yeah, you just see it time and time again. I mean, it doesn't work. I mean, Nick Saban. Nick Saban tried. <laughs> yeah, he tried, that's for sure. And he couldn't do it. And he's the greatest college football coach of all time. Yeah, it's just a different ballgame, and there's some exceptions. Pete, Pete Carroll, you know, I think you mentioned it. Pete Carroll, great NFL coach, but for the most part, and I mean, as a as someone who's been hurt more by this than most in the Urban Meyer situation, um, <laughs> like I can't see how anyone would get excited if their team is hiring a college coach. Yeah, no, for sure not. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I, so the NFL last year or maybe two years ago recently made a rule change where teams that fire their coach, teams that have a vacancy at head coach can begin the coach, the, the search for the next, the replacement guy as soon as possible. Whereas before it was like, you had to wait until the end of the season so the Panthers will have a head start. I'm just not sure how many like front runner head coaches are going to want to coach the Panthers. I think there's still talent on that roster. Quarterback's a big question mark. The talent around the quarterback is good, though. That defense is genuinely good, and they have weapons on the offense. The offensive line isn't great. I'll I'll give you that, but you know, there's good backs on this team. So the the defense is phenomenal. The defense has played way better, um, even like better than expected heading into this year, and they had pretty lofty expectations. They fired their defensive coordinator along with Matt Rule, which is intriguing because Phil Snow was like a hot defensive coordinator name. And I think he'll just jump on to another team, maybe even before the season ends. I don't really know how that works. Um, the thing that I'm worried about is the Panthers don't have a ton of picks over the next couple of years uh, yeah. due to their quarterback yeah. debacles. Um, and so there's a chance that like the weapons on offense and like some of the big names on defense are shipped out. Even this year. Oh, 
for sure. Um, here's my question to you. Baker Mayfield is likely not going to play this week. And oh, I'm jumping ahead. We talk about yeah. fantasy at the end of the year, but a lot of people are, are interested in stuff like that. But are you maybe a little more – I'm personally a little more intrigued. P.J. Walker is set to start in how he utilizes yes, these sir. pieces on offense. Because Baker's been bad. Yeah, so – First of all, PJ Walker, XFL legend, uh, Houston Roughnecks legend, would have won the XFL MVP had the season been completed. Actually, right. Um, and as a spot starter in the NFL, which he's been, at, I think this will be his like eighth start. He's actually been all right. It's when he's been asked to start multiple games in a row uh, that that he's not really up for the NFL. But, like, this week, I'm kind of excited because the the Panthers are now just completely an afterthought for most of the NFL. And I think that P.J. Walker is going to come out with something to prove. I would not be surprised to see. So they're playing the – they're playing the Rams. I don't know that. I don't think they're going to win. No, that for game. sure not. They're playing in I'm not even, also. I'm not even totally confident in saying that they're going to be close. I just think that they're going to put points on the board. I think that they will more than they were with Baker, which is all that matters. All right. Well, we can go ahead and move on from that. But, you know, good thing to see. Um, one thing I added in there, which just is like an absurd stat that. I've been watching because I do have Cooper Cup in a couple of places in fantasy and stuff like that. But but it's just an absurd NFL stat right now. Cooper Cup has more receptions currently through five weeks than Justin Fields has completions. And I don't know. I mean, this is with no research at all. But I wonder how many times it has happened in this league in the last 30 years, 35 years where a receiver has more receptions than the last quarterback has completions. I can't imagine it's very many. Yeah, man, I maybe never. Bears are on historic pace for low completions. Yeah, and they they threw the ball quite a bit this most recent week against the Vikings because it was actually working. Justin Fields had 13 completions. That's a a big number for him right now. Also, this is this is also a chance to say if you guys watched Cooper Cup or, or if you didn't, Cooper Cup went on a rampage last season. Absolutely absurd numbers he put up. Almost 2000 yards pat, uh, receiving, uh 16 touchdowns, just ridiculous numbers, and right now he's on pace to break a lot of those numbers. <laughs> and here's here's the thing. Doing it once, having a season like that, that's happened before. You know, Jerry Rice had a season where he went for a ton of yards and stuff like that. You know, there's been a couple of seasons that that have rivaled that stuff. Calvin Johnson had a specific season where he almost broke 2,000 yards. Doing it twice in a career, let alone two years in a row, that is – that I'm, I'm telling you, I looked through Jerry Rice's numbers. I looked Insane. through a lot of receivers' numbers. It's actually unheard of. Like, it has not happened before. Yeah, usually if you have a career year like that, especially for Cooper Cup, who like was always a decent receiver, um, then they got Matthew Stafford and he became 
the wide receiver one, you have a career year like that, and then you regress like a ton. You you drop back into the like oh yeah, you know top ten, fifteen wide receivers. The Rams didn't want this. They added Allen Robinson and a couple other pieces to try and spread it out a little bit more. It's just not happening. Cooper Cup continuously is the best option on almost every single passing down for the Rams. That's and and Matthew Stafford trusts him with his life. That's why this is happening. I'm just telling you, you guys, tune in to Rams games. They have not always like not every snap of the Rams games have been great to watch. But this is the type of stuff Cooper what Cooper Cup is doing right now, the last season and this season, these are the type of seasons that are going to be talked about throughout your life. And forever, you want to forever. be able to take part in those, okay? So just tune into the Rams and watch that guy work because it is incredible to watch. Because he's not – he is not – I'm sorry, I'm going on a little bit of tirade here, but he's not – he is not the most talented receiver in the, in the league. Not even – Yeah, he's, he's like top yeah, 10. But he is – he consistently outworks, outruns, outsmarts his opponents, and he's open. And he makes it happen. Yeah, and he's and he's open fast, which is the big thing on the Rams because their offensive line has been so bad, and Matthew Stafford cannot seem to place the ball deep. So he sees Cooper Cup open in the first two seconds of the dropback, and he's throwing the ball. Um, Absolutely, I will say last year oh, I had him in fantasy, so this was not as much of a concern. This year, I do not. And I'm watching the games, and he's getting up from a catch and run, and he looks like not unhappy. He just looks worn. He looks like they – because they are. They use him on 20 snaps a game, um, and I'm I'm just worried about his long-term health at this point. That's fair. That's fair. And he hasn't, he hasn't really, he hasn't missed many snaps. I, I, he stepped out of the game once or twice this last week um, and then came right back in. I'm not as worried about it. I think, I think you're right. I think he's just kind of worn, but the deal is he is not losing that much. He's not losing that much athletically by being worn. Like he wasn't the most athletic to begin with. His, his edge is the mental side of the game is, is he knows where his defender is going to move. So he's not, so he's going to be somewhere else. And I think, out of a lot of receivers in the league, if someone's tired, Cooper Cup is the guy that's going to keep producing. You saw it. You saw. I mean, I was talking to the people I was watching the game with last weekend. You saw it time and again in the Super Bowl last year. Everyone in that stadium knew that the ball was going to Cooper Cup, and he was still open over yep. and over and Just over again. Yeah. And they, they ran him ragged that game, and the Bengals still could not stop him because he could outplay everybody. So please tune into him. We can move on. That's enough Cooper Cup talk. But the stuff he's doing is unheard of. Yeah, and we talked about we've talked about quite a bit the Rams Super Bowl hangover and should have mentioned more of the Bengals Super Bowl hangover. Um, but Cooper Cup having this historic season is not helping the Rams win very much and not it's, it's not his fault in the slightest. He is still Cooper cup. It's just the team around him is not nearly as good. So 
that is the thing that's making Rams games exciting this year. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Four teams have bye weeks this week. I'm, I'm not sure how many fantasy options. Uh, there, there are a couple. So the Texans are on bye. Uh, sorry to the listeners of the podcast. I know you're really bummed out by that one. The Raiders, the Lions, and the Titans are all on bye also. Um, and bye weeks are now going to be a weekly thing. So especially if you're playing fantasy football, make sure you are ensuring that your players are not in your lineup if they're on bye. Hey, for fans of the Lions, though, maybe they'll actually be healthy after the bye week. <laughs> or for Wyatt Caldwell. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Probably not, but maybe. Uh, should we hop into Texans Jags? Um, let's let's really quickly go over the week before games, just really really fast. Um, just remind people what happened the week we missed. Um, I'll start with the Jaguars. Jaguars played the Eagles twenty one twenty nine. We lost. Jaguars came up fourteen fourteen zero at the beginning. Trevor had five turnovers. We had six as a team. We ended up losing that game by eight points while having six turnovers, I walked away from that game personally just saying, hey, we had six turnovers against one of the best teams in the league right now, and we only lost by – it was a one-score game walking out of it. I, I walked out thinking that was a fluky game. I'm still feeling good about this team. We kept it close even after all that stuff. You know, that's fine. Um, Oscar, you want to go over the Texans-Chargers game real quick? Yeah, and to add to that, it was in the uh, tropical storm that uh, followed Hurricane Ian. So um, it it was in Philly and they were getting crazy rain. So I wouldn't. Oh, it was torrential. It was terrible weather. I wouldn't put too much into that game. Uh, (laughs) As someone who starts Trevor Lawrence in fantasy football, him Dropping and losing four snaps was not very fun for me, but uh, I'm not going to, like you said, not going to put too much into that game. Uh, Texans lost the Chargers. Um, Austin Eckler ran and caught all over us. It was not very fun to watch considering my my opponent had Austin Eckler in the game. Um and then somehow in the third quarter, the Texans brought it back. It was a three-point game, I believe. It was, yeah, it was Chargers 27, Texans 24 at the end of the third quarter. And the Texans were driving, and it looked like we were going to either field goal or be up. And then we fumbled the ball, and the game was pretty much over. The Chargers ended up winning by 10. Uh, and mind you, we talked about the tech, the Chargers were extremely injured coming into the game. I think the Texans are just a three-quarter team. Uh, Bill Simmons on his podcast called us the seven-inning Texans. We're like the, the pitcher that can come in and throw for seven innings, but if you play us any longer than that, good luck. Um, which, in the pursuit of a high draft pick for a quarterback next year, is probably the best thing in the long run. Compete, 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 and then lose in the fourth quarter. I mean, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, the one good thing is finally Texans fans, the more uh, fervent Texans fans are realizing, okay, maybe Davis Mills is not the guy. <laughs> finally. <laughs> he can be okay with the fact that and, and admit the fact that he's not the dude. You know, he's great. He's seen, we've seen some good plays. But, I mean, similarly to how the Jaguars said, hey, Gardner Minshew is not the guy, Davis Mills isn't the guy. And Dave Smith will be a backup, and that's fine. But- yeah, and he will be a career backup that makes plenty of money because I do think that he is in that similar strain. I mean, I talked about it with P.J. Walker, completely different player, but he's a good spot starter. I think Davis Mills and Cooper Rush probably on the same you know parallel of quarterback level where main quarterback's out. Oh, we got Davis Mills on the bench. He can come in, defense plays well. Maybe we win the game, uh, but at this point, he is not a franchise quarterback. And I, I, listeners of the podcast know that we have been talking about that since day one of the Davis Mills experience. Um, but I'm glad, uh, like you pointed out, more fervent Texans fans are finally coming around to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is re- truly the best case scenario for the Texans. You guys have been – there's been moments in every game at the very least that you guys have looked competitive and you're still losing all, most of your games. I think you guys are in the right path. I mean, if you guys walk out of the walk out of the season as the number one pick or maybe even as the number two pick, you did your job and you get one of those young studs in the in the on the team going forward – I mean, may, I mean, you're not going to be contenders by next year, but you're on the right path at the very least. Um, so this leads us into the game from this week. The podcast showdown, Jaguars-Texans. Um, it was in Jacksonville. And the final score was Jaguars 9, Texans 13. And how do you feel, Sam? Let it out. I think I kept my cool really well while I was watching the game. I'm really, I just feel very used up as a fan. And yeah, it's just disappointing. Kind of because it's, it feels like, okay, we really are what people thought we were at the beginning of the season. Like, don't get fooled by the first four weeks. We really are who they thought we were, were still terrible and stuff like that. I'm maybe that's a overreaction. I think it might be. We can get. We'll talk about it more uh, as we get through this game. But I mean, I mean, going into this game, I believe we were second or either first or second in defensive efficiency and seventh in offensive offensive efficiency. One of the very tippy top of the league as far as performing on a, on a weekly basis. And we came out against the Houston Texans and we looked like a totally different team. We looked terrible. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know what? I'll take this opportunity to go through the Jaguars side of the game first, and then we'll let Oscar speak to the Texans. Um, just a couple yeah. of things yeah, from that sure. game. Um Travis Etienne, first the first half, that was a bright spot. Jeez, man, he was killing us. You know, 
at the half, I'm looking at the stats right here. At the half, he walked in the halftime, um, rushed six times for 61 yards, over over 10 a carry, caught a pass for 20 yards. Best half of football so far. Okay? Still not a ton, still not a ton of usage, but he did the most with it out of anything so far. He ended the game. So he had he had six for sixty one, one for twenty going into halftime. He ended the game ten for seventy one and three for forty three, which is practically identical to what he went into halftime with. That's unacceptable. Like that is, I I have a lot yeah. I have a lot of praise for this coaching staff so far this season. Stuff like that is unacceptable to see. You have a young guy who you need to get going. He's doing well, and you do not give him the football in the second half. That is ridiculous. And the passes is one thing because it's kind of fluky. It's whether or not he's open. It's more of a safety valve situation if they need it or not. The rushes, though, those are manufactured a lot of the times. Yeah. And it's not like James Robinson was crazy. He rushed 10 times that game for 27 yards. He was Yeah, we were bottling James Robinson up. He was not effective. So it seems to me yeah. that they took a, they stopped using one of our most I mean, in the first half we had our first couple our first couple drives were the best drives that we had of the game. We couldn't capitalize them for touchdowns, but they were largely on the back of Travis Etienne and he disappeared in the second half. That's unacceptable. Yeah. Weird, weird usage. I, I, that was going to be my main point I brought up was why Travis Etienne was not targeted, was not given opportunities. It's, I don't know is the answer to that. Another thing is maybe the actual biggest thing is Trevor looked much worse this week. Not that he did last week, but then he has this season. And... I think a lot of factors play into that. He is going to have those weeks no matter what. Like that's going to happen like several times a season. We're going to see games from him like that. But it was really disappointing to see. I wanted, I mean, he played so horribly in terrible conditions last week. I really thought we were going to see a bounce back against it. <coughs> Excuse me. He's a team that we really could have bounced back against. But I mean, I'll just focus on one play that we saw during this game where Trevor, you know, made a made a ridiculous mistake. Derek Stingley Jr. had a, had an interception in the end zone in the game. Sure did, baby. Watch, Let's go. And I, I implore all you guys that actually care, go and watch this play again from a couple angles. Trevor, Trevor, granted, Stingley's facing the other way at, at the beginning of the play. But by the time Trevor throws it, Stingley's facing right to him. The ball goes right to Stingley, right to his hands. Looking right at him. Yeah, and even if he wasn't looking, it was still throwing into double coverage in the corner of the end zone, which is like a very low probability. It's a really bad idea. It's a really, really bad idea. Um, So just poor – that is a – microcosm for a bigger problem that poor decision-making was like rampant on this team. Rampant from the coaching staff to the quarterback to the rest of the team. I mean, let's also talk about Christian Kirk, who's been fantastic for us this season. Would you, would you like to guess how many targets he had this, this game? 
I know, um, so I'm not going to guess. He had three targets. He caught one ball, three targets. And I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Maybe he was covered. But even if we're talking about Derek Stingley or Jalen Petrie, the, the, the very best on the Texans defense, they are they are good. And they I, were and not. I think they very. I think especially Jalen Petrie has been playing phenomenal. But and J- Derek Stingley has a ton, a ton in the tank, and is going to be really good. They are not so good at this point to where your top receiver has three targets. Also, they were not the primary defender on Christian Kirk for the majority of the game. Do you know who was? He wasn't getting double. Who was? Do you you know who was? Our slot quarterback, because Christian Kirk plays the slot, is Desmond King, who I am very fond of. He's a very serviceable slot quarterback. Christian Kirk should have seen 15 targets that game. I'm, I know, I know, and if and if and Christian Kirk, we're paying him enough. He's been playing well enough. Where it's the guy where hey, you go into halftime, he's got one target and one catch. Hey, let's let's make this a priority. Let's get him. Let's at the very least, let's get him targets. I would much rather his stat line be one catch on ten targets than one catch on three. Yeah, because then you can be like, oh, Christian had a bad game. Yeah. No, Christian did not have a bad game. He just did not see any opportunity. Absolutely. So I think it's a failure from the coaching standpoint, from the from Trevor's standpoint. I think it's a failure. I mean, the defense did not look terrible. They have, they stood up pretty well. It's not like the Texans put up a ton of yards or a ton of a ton of points on the te- on the Jaguars. They didn't have to to beat us. The uh, the offense simply did not show up. If the offense showed up, we win this game. So yeah, and really, going to the 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 Trevor point, I said it immediately after the game ended. And speaking to the game as a whole, maybe the most boring game that the the league has seen this year. Oh come on! Three primetime Broncos games beg to differ. Right, right. I guess there have been some twelve to nine Broncos games, but <laughs> speaking of, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have loved the uh, discourse I've seen. The Broncos have three more primetime games. <laughs> Starting, they, yeah. they're the Monday night so, game this week. So good luck with that. Let's have some fun. Yeah, the, the Monday night game will definitely be them. I don't think that. I think they'll get flexed out of their other primetime games. I really hope so. Anyway, continue. Um, I said immediately after the game ended, I think Trevor got shook by the amount of turnovers he had in the Philly game and was not able to move past that, which is not the greatest sign for your franchise quarterback, but also excuses his performance a little bit. I I personally look at it differently. I say it doesn't. I, th- I say it makes it worse. I say it doesn't excuse it even a little bit. And it makes it worse because, I mean, look at the best yeah, look you, at the best you, quarterbacks you, you, in the league. Not even that. Not even that. Let's let's just say. Look at the, what do you have to do to win a Super Bowl? You have to win in the playoffs, and you have to win week after week, yeah. day in day out. You have to perform at the highest level in front of the craziest crowds in the world. 
And you have to move past that the mistakes. Mental fortitude that he did not show this week or last. And that really bugs yeah. me. And, and Trevor's shown it on every level so far. So give him the benefit of the doubt. And like I said, we're going to see games like this. The NFL is a totally different ball game. It's going to take a while to get there. But it really, really dis- was disappointing because, I, like I said, I was hoping to see a huge bounce back in a, in a matchup that seemed poised for a huge bounce back. And he did Very, very, very winnable game. And they did not win. Yeah, I... I personally am going to give Trevor a complete pass. And you've said the same on his rookie year. And so to me, this is almost his rookie year right now. Um, So there are, like you said, there are going to be games like this, but you hope that the, He's got to he's got to walk into every game like it's a clean slate, and I I haven't seen that yet. No, no, he hasn't gotten there yet, and that's fine. That's part of the growing process. I just by the end of this season, I would like to be I would like to have a game that I can point to and say, there he stood up, and it doesn't even have to be in a win. He stood up, and he was not a problem that game, and he proved to me that he had some level of mental fortitude in the NFL. Like, like times were tough and he kept on producing. That's what I wanted on the season. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And, and like every other problem we've talked about, that's that stems from the coaching staff down to quarterback, down to the veterans all the way around. Uh, I will say all of Trevor's play, all of it bundled up into one was not the worst mistake the Jaguars made on Sunday. Um, what was the the game? Texans won the game because Trevon Walker made a boneheaded third and 15. Texans did not have a successful play. And after the play was over, Trevon Walker threw Davis Mills to the ground. Uh, the score was nine to six at that point. It gave us a first down and we went down and scored a touchdown and won the game. He's not wrong, folks. It was really stupid, and it was well after the. It was it was super uncalled for and aggressive, and you know, just you know, stupid, just really stupid. Yeah, and and the thing that was talked about before Trevon Walker was drafted was that he's really, really raw and has has a lot to work on. And up to this point, I really, I mean, he's not in on every play he doesn't really fill out the stat sheet but we've talked about how good he is at helping josh allen blossom on the other side of the line this was the first play in his young career where i was like oh man he cannot be doing that yeah yeah it was really it was really awful to see you know he knows it was stupid i'm sure the coaching staff was all over him about that, he knew. I'm sure they he still knew are. That, that he lost in the game, and you know, hopefully, it doesn't happen again. So, you know, that's enough about the Jaguars and how disappointing they were this week. Let's talk about something a little bit happier. Tell me about your Texans. Yeah, so I mean, thirteen to nine, the the offense, and we, I mean, we t- we've talked about Davis Mills plenty to this point. It's just not happening for the Texans' offense. 
And without the player that I'm about to just express my undying love for, I think the Texans would be the worst scoring offense in the league. And that's including the bears who we've spewed plenty on. Um, but before I give myself props for being in on a guy, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to, I'm going to admit a huge, huge, uh, miss call on my end. And that was me saying that I am penning in Jonathan Grenard for 10 sacks this year. He does not have one. No, he does not. And watching his play and he didn't play on Sunday. Um, I don't, I don't know how he was so successful last year. He was just super, super efficient on his pass pass rush wins. Um, But I thought with the revamped line around him, he would be a free rusher to the quarterback quite a bit more this year. And he's just not. So um, not that he's been a failed draft pick, but he's yet another disappointing Bill O'Brien second rounder. So that's all I want to say. Uh, Wanted to take my L before I took my W. Sam, preseason, I said to you, I think that Damian Pierce has the ability to become the next Arian Foster for the Texans. Maybe not in terms of play style or in terms of success, because the offense around him has not been nearly as good. But I think in terms of personality and carrying the offense, I think that's – I'm ready to call that a W already. Um, I will take the opportunity to say that he has looked fantastic, and it's absolutely absurd to call him the next Arian Foster for the Texans. Let him finish the season. Let's start with that. Let's. So I, uh, we had this discussion uh, in this. You know, we had this dis- the same discussion about. Um, oh, what's his name over the on the Cleveland Cavaliers? Um, Evan Mobley, and how his ceiling was Tim Duncan. And I'm just telling people, guys, wait, just give it some time. Wait, let's wait a couple of years before we start comparing him to the greats like of your team. Give him some time. And I know, and I know, so, and technically you're right because what you're saying isn't isn't comparing him to Arian Foster. It is saying he's the best since, which you're probably right. You're probably right. I will give you that. That is a W. But in doing that, you inadvertently compare him to Arian Foster. Inevitably. And and he's not that, still, not that yeah. yet. He's not even close to that yet. Because the team around him is not nearly as good. His last three games. Because he's played five NFL games. His last three games, 20 carries, 80 yards, a touchdown. 14 carries, 131 yards, touchdown. 26 carries, 99 yards, a touchdown. He is fourth in the NFL in rushing yards. I think fifth now because Josh Jacobs passed him. Um, And he also on Sunday had the most – Missed tackles forced in a game ever. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm saying inadvertently we are it, we are comparing him to Aaron Foster, and he has played five NFL games. 
let's tap the brakes at the very least. Let's just proceed with a little bit of caution. And let me remind you of the team we're talking about. We're talking about the Texans. Just give it a second for air. Be happy. Be happy you have a running back that is electric okay. and great, and he doesn't. We don't have to even mention Arian Foster around him. It was my same point that I made with the Evan Mobley Tim Duncan comparison. Let's not even mention that. I don't think that should be even mentioned until he's in been in the league for fifteen years. You know, I don't think that Arian Foster should be mentioned until at least three, four years into this guy's career. Okay. We can we can agree to disagree. I just think that Wyatt my, Paul, our, our one of our one of our um listeners, Wyatt, just mentioned something really important too. Arian Foster made multiple all pros. That's a really high mark. It's a really high mark. That's super high mark. My and I said it's not in terms of play style or overall talent. It's the the energy that he brings to the team, and the Texans have not seen that since Arian Foster. David Johnson. <laughs> Do not bring his name around me. Rex Burkhead. Come on. I agree. He brings a lot of electricity. Just, I, I really, it really gets under my skin. We are like so. I mean, watch, watch any draft. Watch the NBA draft. Watch the NFL draft. They're terrible about it. We are so quick to mention all-time greats or greats on a team as a comparison to these new guys. And it's just, you know, these guys were great for a decade, and we're comparing him to a guy who's played five NFL games. Let's give, let's give these guys their due, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, you, you will – it'll be hard to meet a bigger Aaron Foster fan than me. I'm just, I, oh, I know it. I know. Oscar loves Aaron Foster. I'm just very excited to have another running back who can even be mentioned in the same conversation because we have not. Had that. Dude, it's, and don't take me for Don't hear what I'm not saying. The dude is awesome. He's so fun to watch and he's super good. And the sky is the limit for him. He's just got a lot of hurdles to face and he's got a team around him. Like you're right. The, the, the talent is not on the, on, the, on the team is not around him yet for to build something like that for him but as a like the texans like we talked about their whole goal right now should be be one of the worst teams in the league having a guy like that on a team is just like it makes games watchable you know what i mean like it goes a long way which is hard yeah which is goes a long way it's like what james robinson was for the absolutely absolutely yeah um last thought before we get into pickums because we're now starting to run long uh it is pretty fun that the texans have texans and jaguars have front runners for the offensive and defensive rookie of the years right now in damian pierce and devin lloyd man we haven't given him enough props he looks damn good we really haven't he's been good he has been so good much better than i thought he would be that's for sure He's near the top of the league in yeah. tackles just overall. He's all yep. has two picks. Two has players. has a ton of pass deflections, like way more than a linebacker, a, a raw linebacker should. He's twitchy, dude. He's twitchy. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. 
Fun as hell for both of us. Okay, pickums. Yeah, let's get into our pickums. Week four. Wait, no. Yeah, week four because we missed week five. I did win ten to six, which thank God I really needed a win. <laughs> I think you'd beat me every week up to that point. Uh, but let's just hop into this. I I'm gonna go first because I lost. I'm gonna take okay. It um. Washington at Chicago. It, the line is even. Uh, no one wants any part of either of these teams. Uh, it's four. Me it, or it's one and four versus two and three, right? Chicago. I'm gonna take right Washington. Fair enough. I, I'm also gonna take. I don't really need to talk about it enough. Really, I just want to take this time to let the listeners go. Let Oscar know. That I have gone through all these lines for before you, and I've put it all in in whiting, so you can't see it. But I've guessed every pick that you that you're going to make, and we'll see how right I am. But it'll be a fun little mini game oh. this for us. Okay, I'll let you work the doc. Then I'll just yep. look at the lines. Yep. Um, I'm excited that you took that game because I really do not know who. It's gross. <laughs> Thursday night football, everyone is quick to forget that Thursday night football sucks for the most part because every team in the league has to have at least one primetime game and they always stick it on Thursday night. So other than the first couple Thursday night games and the last few, uh, the majority of the season Thursday night sucks, including this one. Okay, San Francisco at Atlanta. San Francisco is favored by five and a half in the Falcons territory. Uh, I'll take the Niners. I'll take the Niners. Six points is a lot to win by, especially against this frisky Falcons team. But um, um, I'll take, I'll take the better team. Okay. Okay. I, the Niners are considerably better than the Falcons. The Falcons will always find a way to lose no matter how close they are into it. Um, and I like that pick. I hate the, I hate the Falcons. I wish I didn't have to take them, but I will say I did guess that one. Right. Um, moving on. The, the Falcons have been covering quite a bit. So that it makes me nervous. Close games, but the Niners defense is better than most defenses they faced. Yeah. Um, besides the bucks, um, new England at Cleveland. Cleveland is a three-point favorite, so they basically call them even. Teams even. I'm going to take Cleveland here. And that's mainly because they can consistently put up points, which is something I don't necessarily believe in the Patriots to do. So that's where I make this from. Yeah. And we don't know that Mac Jones is back. It may be another Bailey Zappi week. That didn't really stop him this past week against the Lions. I think it will against a better Browns team. And Damian Harris is now out for a while. And while I do love Ramondre Stevenson, uh, he, we haven't seen him be the, the bell cow back yet. So um, I do like your Browns pick. Jets at Green Bay. Green Bay is only favored by seven at home. Uh, and I get that it's because they lost to the Giants, but I'm picking the Packers. Okay. So first one I got wrong and I tried to get cute with it. I thought you thought you'd go nuts, but I do think the Packers are the right choice here. Um, 
I really don't think they're going to come off of a embarrassing loss and not, and not destroy At the home. Jets. I mean, it's listen. The questions about the Packers are about their offense. Let's just put a reminder that coming into the season, the Packers have one of the best defenses, or they should have one of the best defenses. They should. That's that's a big... But they have the talent on that defense to shut down teams. If they, like, to be clear, if they make a run in the playoffs this year, to the playoffs and in the playoffs, it's on the back of that defense. So, yeah, I like your pick. Uh, and I have seen some people comparing Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers this week. <laughs> and if I've seen it, you bet your ass Aaron Rodgers has seen it. So, oh, that that shit ain't going to fly. No. Uh, all right. All right. Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Indianapolis is favored by two points. Um, this is our first repeat game for Jacksonville this year. Uh, if you'll remember, we shut the Colts out in an embarrassing loss, but the Colts have looked a lot better in recent, uh, weeks. I'm still taking Jacksonville. Okay. That's a good pick. Two points is nothing. Coming off of a week where we looked absolutely terrible against a team that, that wants revenge against us, I get it. I think the Jaguars are a lot better than we played this week. And I think we're going to come out trying to prove something. Yeah. And Shaquille Leonard is now out again for a little bit. And he's like the Colts only good defensive player DeForest Buckner, I guess, but we haven't seen a whole lot of him. Um, and if the Jags O-line holds up, I think Trevor's going to cook. I think, I think you're right. They, they're going to come out with something to prove. Um, Minnesota at Miami. Minnesota's favored by three. This is a tough game because we don't really know if who Miami's quarterback's going to be. Um, Teddy Bridgewater left their most recent game in the first quarter with a potential concussion, uh, and then the Dolphins were really bad from that point on. With Skyler Thompson. Okay, State, baby. Um I'll take the Vikings. I'll take I'll take the Vikings, even though it's in Miami. All right, all right. I, I that's what I thought you'd take. That's what I think the right pick is. I I just I really don't trust. I mean, weren't there reports that Tyreek Hill was in a walking boot too? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, that, it's the area tough. was pointed way down for the Miami Dolphins, and it's not their fault. I mean, injuries that's tough, mm. but. Minnesota's a good team. Despite how they play, they they have a lot of talent on the team. They have the ability to beat a really, really hampered Miami team. You say despite how they played, I think the the Vikings are the quietest four and one team that I've I can remember. Oh my goodness, yes. Because they <laughs> a lot of their wins they have not played that great in. Yeah. Um all right. Cincinnati at New Orleans. Cincinnati's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm taking Cincy. I think they're starting okay. to bounce back a little bit here. I, <laughs> frankly, it's more because I don't really want any part of New Orleans. 
I just, Dude, I know, I, that's certainly not sustainable. I, I just, I have no, I have no idea what's going on with that team. I, I I'm certainly not going to bet on them. That's for sure. And the line is practically even. So, 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 uh, this may spoil some of our listeners' plans, but uh, our our league waivers run tonight, and I'm extremely excited to see how much money people put on Taysom Hill. I am too. It's going to be interesting. Anywho, uh, Baltimore at New York. The Giants coming off a big win. In London, Baltimore is still favored by five. I'm sorry, Giants. There's no reason that you're four and one. I'm picking the Ravens. Yep, absolutely. Good pick. The Ravens are good at football, man. It's so been good, tough man. the last couple of weeks. Lamar certainly hasn't performed the last couple of weeks. But the Ravens are good. Their defense is not as good as it should be. Yeah. But they're t- yeah, but they've been really a tough injured. Team to beat, though. I mean, in the Giants. Yeah. I mean, you talked about the quietest four four and one team of all time in Minnesota. How about one of the worst four and one teams? Yeah, in the Giants, and they they, they proved a lot by beating Green Bay last week. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely, and I and I love the vibes that they've got going on. Uh, Brian Dable, coach of the year so far. Yeah, yeah. Point. And I think I, – I forget who said this, but um, someone was talking about how the first year of Sean McDermott on the Bills, they were shedding contracts and really trying to go for draft picks, and they still ended up making the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. And the yep. parallel to, to Brian Dable, who was on those Bills teams, is, uh, is pretty cool. Yeah, so I'm – I'm more in on the Giants four and one run than I thought I would be after last week, but Baltimore is absolutely the pick here. Um, all right, Tampa Bay at Pittsburgh. Tampa Bay is minus eight. That's a big line, but I'm taking Tampa Bay. And Pittsburgh is one of the few teams yeah. that I have a rule on going like almost regardless of matchup. I'm not going to bet on Pittsburgh <laughs> to cover. And they'll cover some games. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. They will. They will. I just, I would like to see the numbers for how many rookie quarterbacks have covered against Tom Brady. Zero. Tom Brady has looked a lot worse this year, but I still have faith in that team and all those weapons. And I believe. Tom's like, I believe Pittsburgh is still without TJ Watt. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yes. He's, he's out for at least a couple weeks. I'm fine with the eight points. I'm fine with it. Oh, I I think Tom Brady is uh, is mad that he's not over 10 at this point. But I guess they're in Pittsburgh, so I guess it's, it is over 10. Um, right. Carolina at the Rams. The Rams are favored by 10.5. I'm going to take the Rams, even though 11 points is a lot, and I think the the Panthers will be frisky. But um, 
or the the Panthers will be frisky, but I think the Rams are, have something to prove here. Wow. Okay, I got this one wrong too. Um, I thought you were going to take Carolina just because the line was so large. Um, I'm fine with the Panthers here. I, like I said, I'm kind of excited to see PJ. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I was about to say PJ Washington. Um, yeah. No. PJ Walker. PJ Walker. That's right. Excuse me. PJ Washington on the Hornets. Um, PJ Walker. I'm kind of excited to see him play. Ten and a half. It's just like anytime you see anyone favored by ten or more, that's a dangerous line. You, we forget how easy it is. Like how how at the end of games, people score points and teams let up and anything could happen in that game. I think you're right. Rams want to prove something. Why not do it against Carolina? But um, I, you know, anytime I can get a cover on a 10 and a half point line, I'm fine with it. Um, yeah. The last, uh, the last 10 and a half line we picked was green Bay by 10 and a half and new England almost won that game. So you, you might yep. be, <laughs> you might be good there. Um, Arizona at Seattle, Arizona's minus three. I, uh, Oh, I just moved it, but, um, I am going to be taking Arizona and, um, main reason is because it is not a call of duty to it, uh, two times XP weekend. So Tyler should be at full potential, but other than that, Arizona genuinely is a better team than Seattle is. It's in Seattle. I get that. Gino's been playing well. I get that. The Cardinals defense is terrible. I get that. Gino. I just, I mean, I think the bottom might fall out on Gino at some point this season. I hate to say that. I really hope it doesn't. I think it might. You're a hater. You're a hater for that. I really hate to say it. I'm just not sold on Gino. And Arizona, man, like they have weapons on the offense. They have a good offense ish. I think they win this game. I think they win it, win it by more than three. I'm, uh, I'm happy getting Seattle here. I think that, you know, a three point game, it, it, honestly, we probably push here. I think the Cardinals probably win by three. Um, yeah. But go Seahawks, go Gino. Uh, Kansas City is a home underdog. They are playing the Bills, who are the best team in the league. I do not know if Patrick Mahomes has been a home underdog in his career to this point. Maybe like his first season. Uh, So I'm taking the Chiefs, man. Okay, I was wrong here again. I like it, though, for you to take the Chiefs. Um, I was kind of hoping I would get them here. Um, This is a good opportunity to just explain to the fans again. Like, we we, we mention it without actually saying it a lot on these lines. But normally, the way we we work it out and most people work it out is home – being the home team gives you three points. So they're basically saying that Buffalo is six points better than the Chiefs. And I'm not sure I'm ready to say that either. After the last couple of weeks I've seen from the Bills. I mean, Josh Allen looks like a superhuman, but I think we knew that coming into the and, year. And also, and we should just say that the Chiefs almost lost to the Raiders last night. And the Raiders are not that good. Yeah, they, 
I think the Raiders are frisky. They're really good for a one and three team. One and four. They're not that good, though. Even play. Yeah. Anyway. They might be the second best team in the AFC West, though. <laughs> they might. They might. Um, but it's, you know, I I think that I think that I think that both of these I mean, teams are more mortal than maybe people thought they were coming into this season. And yes. you know, I I mean, I think this game is a crapshoot, honestly. Oh, it yeah. always is between Kansas City and Buffalo. We should just thank our lucky stars that this game is happening. Yeah. And there are two phenomenal games this this week. That's one of them, and this next game is also one of them. Yeah, so I get to pick this one. It's Dallas at Philly. Um, Philly is a five-point favorite at, at home against Dallas. They're 5-0. Dallas is, is uh, 4-1. I'm going to take Dallas. And part of that is from my case that I mean, it's the same thing that you go back to. You go to the Bills in the offseason. And, and, oh, Bills in the first couple of weeks. I heard talk. I, I cannot tell you how much talk I heard about a 17-0 season. And I cannot express to you how hard it is to go without a loss through an NFL season. It is so ridiculously hard. Yeah. And yeah, Philly it's never will been done before. Let's be clear. They are not as good as a lot of teams that have gotten close. They are I think Philadelphia objectively yeah. is better than Dallas is. I Dak is supposed to play this week, and Absolutely. I do have high hopes for the effect they'll have on this offense. He, I um I should have put this in the uh NFL news section, but it has come out that it is unlikely that he plays okay so that's new news to me would you like to repick are you still confident in your boys i'm a little surprised that the line is what it is with philly only being favored by five i think that when it's official that dak's not playing it will move but I'm going to keep it. Good. Have confidence. Go Cowboys. It's not because of the Cowboys. It's because, I mean, like I said, it's really hard to win every game of season. And, the, and Philadelphia's going to have games where they're just, they don't play up to their potential. And it's, it, as a, like, if you're actually betting yeah. on games, I would not advise you to bet on stuff like that. That is not stuff you can predict. But go back to the Jaguars game two, two weeks ago that we talked about earlier in this pod. The Eagles didn't play that well. And granted, it was terrible weather and all that stuff. But Jaguars had six turnovers that weren't really weren't entirely their fault. And they still almost won that game. I think I think that yeah. the Cowboys are capable of winning I, this game. I'm willing to take the bet on it. Yeah, I I'm happy to get the Eagles here, uh, especially if Rush is the starter. Um, I think the Cowboys defense maybe the best in the league. It's them and the, them and the Niners and the Eagles are the top three. Um, and so that's good. Enough. You have a defense that good, you will stay in every game. 
Um, yeah. I think if Dak was playing, I, I'd side with you. I'd pick the Cowboys. Uh, and I do think that the Eagles and Cowboys split the season series, uh, but I, it's in Philly without Dak playing. I'm, I'm happy to get the Eagles. Last game. The one thing I'll the one thing I'll say on the last part of this Dallas game is the best part of Cooper Rush is he mitigates turnovers. Yeah, Cowboys do not turn yeah. the ball when Cooper Rush plays, and our defense is genuinely very good. It might be the best defense that the Eagles have faced so far this season. Probably is. And if, yeah, if, yeah, and if we do not turn over the ball and we play them well on defense, I could see the Cowboys just time of possessioning them. Yeah. And for I sure. think I think for if you sure. want to win against the Eagles right now with Cooper Cup, I think that's the key to do it. Yeah. Uh Rush did have two fumbles this last week. Both were picked up by the Cowboys, which is kind of lucky. Um, I so there's a good chance that we'll see a turnover by him. But fumbles, I worry about less than interceptions. I don't know why I do, but yeah. I do. Fair enough. Okay, last game, and what we have a bit of a fantasy corner, but I think we can just do a do a league recap next week because uh, we're yep. we're running long here. Denver at Chargers. The Chargers are favored by five. I'm going to take those five points, even with how banged up the Chargers are. Um, I can't pick. I can't pick Russell Wilson. Why would you? Why would anyone? Um, and that's probably the point in time where we're actual gamblers who make a ton of money doing it say, that's exactly when you should bet on someone. But, I mean, Screw that. I mean, no one wants to watch Denver, let alone bet on them. And the Chargers, despite being the Chargers, and it would be the most Charger thing in the world to lose to the to, to not even not even let them cover, but lose to the Broncos. I mean, the, the Broncos are gross. And I'm out on them. So yeah. I, I hate that I have them this week. And I think it's gonna be a battle every week of who has to take the Broncos. Because someone will every week. Will they show us something. So I hate it, but you know. In the words of uh, Wyatt Caldwell, all this football talk has me rough housing around. My mom told came in and told me I have to go to bed. Uh, I do need to go to bed because I'm on the East Coast and I have to get up pretty early. So yeah. let's call it there. Thank you to uh, Shmeef Yar for stopping by. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Sammy, for being a great co-host. Thank you, as always, to the listeners for coming in and hating yourselves with us. We will see you next week.